3D printing technology is pushing the limits of customization, bringing ease to surgical planning and making predictable outcomes. If you are a surgeon wanting to make lives better, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Surgeons in 3D Printing podcast. And now, your host, Dr. Ruchi Pathak-Cole, to take you on this beautiful journey. Welcome to the podcast, Surgeons in 3D Printing. Today, our guest is a doctorpreneur, an oral surgeon who has presently left surgery and is booming in the world of entrepreneurship. An internationally renowned 3D printing service provider based in Portugal. Please welcome Dr. Rui Quil from Bone Easy. Hello, Dr. Rui. Hello, how are you? Thank you. Happy to have you here. Uh, it's my pleasure. Dr. Rui, I feel business is a spiritual game, and you have transitioned from surgical world to the business world by setting up an amazing 3D printing service across the world. So can you talk about your very first exposure to 3D printing and why you took the decision to quit surgery and expand your business worldwide? Okay, uh, we started our company in 2012. Uh, the reason that we have started this company was to make uh, bone blocks uh, individualized. So we have started to develop uh, a software uh, called Tailored Implant, where surgeons could design themselves the volume of um, uh, a bone graft uh, individualized that they want to place it. Uh, from that part, we start uh, on um, printing meshes uh, for making a tent. And that's when we start on titanium, printing titanium. And uh, this was 2017. And from there uh, to the most difficult cases, which I always thought it was very difficult to do it, uh, meaning the big, um, bigger trophies uh, where I have to place it, uh, zygoma implants, and I didn't like zygoma implants. So I've started to think uh, a plate system would work much better. So using the principles of uh, um, orthognatic surgery and the pillars of the, the, the face, the maxilla, and also using the lines from Champi for uh, traumatology in the mandible and using these lines, we start to design microplates with these uh, connections for uh, placing prosthesis over. So could you also throw some light on the first case that you did and then, or maybe the first case that you came across and you felt the need for 3D printing? Because yeah. that's where your interest must have begun. Yeah, sure. Uh, by the moment I decided this, this was 2016 when we started to think about it. Um, I started to read a lot of uh, ancient subperiosal implants. So I pick up uh, the first... Um, magazines from the time it was 1966 dr leonard linko in the united states yeah. started with tripoidism um solutions for this case so i read all of the things that he had right and um in reality our first case was an inferior case and uh we were very focused on this uh, making a tripoidism and a bar that is uh outside uh, of the gum 
so that's the first idea. So it's practically a co uh, copying what he has done, but uh, we thought that because he used to do his um, implants on chromocobalt, uh, and uh, we thought, okay, if we are going to do uh, in titanium, well, things much, much be much better for this. Also, he only laid down the the, the implant over the the bone and cover it. So yes. he did not fix it. So we thought fixing was also uh, a good thing. Of course, we did some mistakes at that time. Uh, we thought that we have a structure that was uh, completely rough, was very good for um, for also integrated. And it's, 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 so it's working well in the, the case. <laughs> yeah, it but, is, it uh, is. But uh, we know nowadays that uh, polished surfaces are much good for uh, avoiding um, uh, mucositis, but also the deeper part should be treated to also integrate. And the truth is that our implants also integrate. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you that when you began this journey, I'm sure this must have been lots and lots of obstacles. So I would like to ask you one of the obstacles which would which you related with the uh, software is concerned, because uh, in our part of the country, it's the doctor alone. We don't work in a group of, uh, say, engineers and doctors together. So how is how do you work there in a group? Do you work in a group or you're all alone or you have those hindrances related to softwares and printing because we have it here? Uh -huh. No, we work on a group, of course. Our company has already 12 persons working here. And um, well, yeah, but, but that's uh, I would want to know uh, before you frame the company, because you must have done. Yeah, that that part I, of the yeah. Yeah, I have studied a lot. I went to some manufacturing places. I have cousins who are engineers and I start to make questions to them. So, yeah, I wanted to know that part, you know, because that part is the real part, because the doctors are really concerned where to start how to start and so because you don't have a company right out there and you don't have the company owners as doctors who would understand you that much you have service providers who are basically either engineers or you know managers so um, tell me about the struggles that you had at least one or two of them yeah I know the, the first thing uh, to to start printing is very easy you just uh, knock the door of a supplier of a machine and then you start printing but yeah, it's really nothing. It does not have nothing to do with it. In reality, uh, you need a lot of uh, of knowledge, and uh, I put always my knowledge, and I heard a lot every surgeons which I'm talking with. For example, for India, uh, we have made a, a case in uh, Maharashtra uh, from a small girl that had a. Um, uh, meloblastum and uh, she had a mandible substitution and uh, okay. I speak a lot to Dr. Abdul and we pass a lot of time working on it and uh, in reality we put a lot of innovation on this piece because uh, I discovered for a long time that um, for example we had here in uh, Europe uh, during the 70s uh, some doctors in France used to do uh, mandible substitution with a wireframe. And okay. uh, although everything is broken because it was, it was not uh, uh, strong enough, 
yes. but we did not have any exposures on those cases. And that ring a bell, no? That ring a bell. That's either yeah. you put the muscles going through your prosthesis, or you're going to have distance either inside the mouse or either outside. Very so true. in reality. What we need to put a lot is all our experience to know very well about anatomy. And anatomy is not to do patient match, okay? Exactly. It's to, it's to do uh, everything that we know about anatomy and about physiology. And then we design the, this processing function of this. For example, we all know that uh, if I copy a mandible, Muscles will never attach to, to titanium. Yes. So, yes. And uh, sometimes we need to do some small things to create attachment from muscles. And if it, muscles do not attach, they will they, they will ruin all the all the the treatment. Hard work. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. That's the main thing. So. Uh, buying the, the machine was the, the easiest part, <laughs> but then uh, when you buy a machine, you say, okay, but uh, now I want a connection uh, yes. for, for a screw retaining prosthesis, and that's when problems begin. And then that's when you have to knock to several doors until you get the answer. And also, yeah. really a lot of... Um, of our development no we have learned a lot through this time uh, and uh, that probably put us different from everyone else we have a um, multi-unit abutment over our implants and uh, this is the main difference and no one has it uh, everyone makes these uh, frames for the cemented prosthesis and uh, we do we do not we do it as if you look to our restorations it's like you have an all on four traditional all on four only when you do the x-ray you can see that something different is below that gum that gum yeah yeah, yeah exactly so uh, was there not any hindrance related to the software usage of the software or are you not in that part wherein you are using the software is your engineer using the software no, I, I I do everything in my company. At least at starting, do uh, yeah. I'd like so to know I about to know. everything. Yeah. So so when you started to use the software, did you not have difficulties? Because we come from a background of medical background, wherein we do know anatomy, we do know physiology. That part we can still expertise on. But how did you get that expertise on the software? You wet well, your hands in the software. Nowadays, uh, all the young doctors work with mesh mixer and several 3D models. Yeah, uh, exactly. Model. In reality, it's not that big difficulty nowadays. Uh, it was not like that. Uh, usually, who does surgery don't like don't like uh, computers, but <laughs> yes, it's not true. today. If you see lots of doctors wants to participate on the guides that make, so they want to design, they want to be sure that's their plan, their plan, and not some engineer plan. That's fundamental yeah. for everyone. That's yes. And, I agree, um, yeah. We, I, we start and we went through that way. Uh, of course, I have a very good team with me. Uh, we start developing our own software. We stop to, nowadays, we are very, very fast doing things. Uh, and uh, we have a, a team of three designers that can do about uh, 
it's uh, we do about uh, 60k a month now so wow amazing they can, they can do it very very quickly so uh because you transitioned as i said earlier you transitioned from the medical world to the entrepreneurial world so did you uh, could you throw some light on raising funds raising capital attaining grants and then setting up your own company and that journey and the obstacles related you know yeah because uh, there are a couple of people who are working on those lines as well these days they would learn something from you <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, in reality, I found myself, my company, uh, and it was, uh, and we uh, grew organically till now. Uh, our okay. company is becoming bigger uh, and bigger, and probably we already received some proposals for entering capital, and of course, because now we are presented in, um, in several countries. Uh, we are opening new facilities in Middle East. We are also opening new facilities in uh, USA because we are finishing FDA. So uh, it's it's becoming bigger and bigger. I really don't know, uh, um, how do you say, a company that makes uh, individualized custom implants that is presenting so many countries as we are. Um, yes, very true. It's difficult because uh, uh, when you go to see uh, regulation on each country, it's very, very difficult. Different. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, we have, uh, for example, uh, for Southeastern Asia, uh, we start from Singapore, but for some countries, we really have to, for Vietnam, for example, we need to have another registration there uh, only Singapore will not work and um, well this is the most difficult part and uh, also everyone has to look at, at uh, 3D printing we make class 2B medical devices okay so once we yes. are doing class 2B we have to be um, we are under the legislation of every two, uh, two class two B implants. No? So, yes. meaning uh, all the tests that we have to do for clean rooms in the here and everything. So, it's really a really really difficult. It's not like printing. It's not lab work. Okay. Yeah. Uh, some some people think is kind of sometimes there are people which is the lab that's making that to you know, this is not a lab <laughs> this is uh, a company that makes medical devices class to be implantable medical devices the only difference from the others that we are custom and that's even difficult to do yes, because we build the core so the other ones just shape the core and yes. uh, it's much difficult to us to assure the purity of our medical devices uh, um, while the others just have to clean the surface. Now we are coming to your company. So could you tell about the software, the services that you provide? Yeah, we, we do craniomaxial facial implants. Uh, in reality, we do either in titanium or peak, it's uh, what we are doing. And... Uh, we are now printing ceramics also. Uh, we are doing uh, bone implants uh, in ceramic. Uh, but uh, at the moment, we are doing the animal studies. And we were expecting to do 
during this year, the clinical studies, but due to COVID-19, everything is postponed now. It's really amazing. It's, it's really difficult now. But uh, yes, we are working on that. So we have uh, three lines of printing. We are printing ceramics, we are printing polymers, which is big, and we are printing titanium. Everything is for the face. I don't know anything else about orthopedics or something. I just want to uh, manufacture things where I know very well the anatomy and the physiology of things. And that's where we can really go ahead and make the difference. Um, I used to say that um, I involve everyone. Every time I start a case, I ask for the, the patient uh, photo because I want everyone to involve with the patient photo. And uh, once you are doing a custom medical device, you need to know that you are influencing the life of that person. It's very important that everyone is dedicated to that. Yeah. I think being a medical profession, you even need it more because you are more aligned to sort of uh, that kind of a framework wherein you need to see the patient preoperatively and postoperatively. Yeah, sure. But yeah. I, I like my engineers to evolve like that way, you know. It's not like making a microplate. You do yeah. a microplate, it's a, it's a, a metal. <laughs> you don't care about it. Yeah. Uh, or it's a screw. No, here we are going to influence uh, our defects will change the life of that patient. If we do something wrong, that patient will have a problem. So we need to be, to have always in the face of our patient uh, for yes. us to evolve. So uh, as, an, as an experienced surgeon, what do you bring to the table as an entrepreneur like today? Well, um, custom made, it's, it really makes a difference. More in the face than in, we got, we got very thin tissues. Okay, very difficult to uh, retain uh, an implant inside yes. the face. It's very difficult. So, very hollow. Uh, this is always a problem. And our company, uh, it's me and another maxillo facial working here. And uh, we always talk with, uh, with uh, the surgeon that makes the order. And we discuss about incisions. We discuss about best solutions for um, everything else. So we decided lots of things. And I just remember a few time ago, uh, we have to make a, a, an orbit mesh and uh, the patient will suffer a maxillectomy. And uh, we wait to see, I don't want you to start till I measure the thickness of the, the tissue. Because when you are going to separate it, probably you could do something wrong. You could perforate the flap or something, and that will ruin our case. So we look at it, it was too thin. So we decide, okay, it is too thin. It's something that he could not see if it wasn't us. Okay. And uh, we decided, okay, let's do some fat injection from the patient, autologous fat injection, and three times three, three months later, we will uh, enter, and it's going to have enough space to put the device. This is something that we like to have. This is what my uh, experience as a surgeon has created a, a business model uh, for us. I used to say that we are not in uh, a a printing company, okay? Yes. We are a solution company, maxillofacial solution company. 
Very nice. Wow, nice to hear that. <laughs> okay, so I think this must be also helping you to sort of create new products and innovate because this all because all of this gets you a lots of ideas to sort of put in all the knowledge. Yes, yes, yes. We have a lot of people working with us in every country. They are thinking. We pass a lot of time on validating things because there are people that want to do. Uh, different designs because they want to do different decisions to be less invasive and everything else. So we always are uh, working on um, new materials and new designs. So yes, we are always working. And, uh, we, we do a lot of prototyping to validate this. Sometimes um, I'm just looking to my desktop and looking to something here that I want to ship to Romania <laughs> for a doctor who wants to try something. So we prototype what he wants to try it and we are going to send it for him to validate it before. And then we go to a patient. So what do you see the future of 3D printing in maxillofacial surgery? Because you are only doing the maxillofacial uh, surgery yeah. aspect. Yeah. So how do you see going forwards? Uh, it's going to be clearly the future. If you look, it is impossible for us to build something that at least be less invasive, uh, to build something that it's not custom. It's so complex, the face, so hollow, so thin bones. Uh, it's, it's really difficult. It's not like uh, tibia or something. It's, exactly. It's Sometimes uh, I see uh, there are people look at uh, this patient, there's a bullet on, the, on his face. So I want you to make me uh, all the, the bones that he has lost. His and now are you going to cover that? It's my first question. And where right. are you going to fix it? There's not so many places to fix, okay? If we, exactly. we lost our zygoma, if we lost uh, uh, some uh, pterygoids or something, you really don't have much place to fix it. It's really difficult. That's very true because with so less mucosa and then the implant to be there. So if you don't have a proper coverage, very, very, very high chances of exposure. So are you printing metal then? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, the entire printing happens in Portugal? Yes, it is. And then you ship it to different countries? Yes. We intend to open uh, new facilities now. But to uh, only start uh, with titanium printing, Middle East, in Riyadh, it, all, it will only start in uh, 2022 and 2021, it will start in the USA. Okay, so probably you will be having three centers printing metal then. Yes, it is. Yeah, so uh, the timeline as of now from uh, if somebody asks you for an implant, the timeline up till when the per the person gets the implants should be somewhere around a week so? It's uh, 15 days, uh, 15 but days. after he approved after approve the design. So I can okay. tell you it's... Uh, um, one day for printing, one day for uh, for e treatment, one day for making uh, me mechanization and polishing. But then you have other times which are going to be cleaning inside clean rooms. Sterilization took about uh, four, uh, took about two days, sixteen hours because it's ETO. Then you have to let it stay during forty eight hours to validate sterilization. So. 15 days it is okay so when your implant reaches the doctor on the other side or the surgeon on the other side so it is an sterilized implant or has it to be sterilized again by the doctor no it's a sterilized implant class 2b uh, 
should be sterilized by uh, ETO plasma or radiation. It should not be sterilized by uh, in autoclaves because water will take contact with uh, with the surface and it is going to change the surface. Also, uh, we do, for example, be a burden here to see that we have a, a non-contamination. Uh, the sterilization will be effective, so it's salt. Uh, and uh, if he, someone touches, it's going to change everything else. So we have everything validated till here, so it has to be. Neither one of us will accept that uh, a dental implant, for example, would come for sterilizing in an autoclub. <laughs> I agree, yeah. But I would still want to ask you that uh, do you have uh, particular pouches in which you sort of send the sure. implants? Not exactly pouches, but rather boxes, because if boxes, it's going to be a big yeah. implant, you'll be having big boxes. Yeah. Yeah. So how it is boxes. Yeah. So are yeah. these boxes created specifically for especially for different implants? Yeah, sure. And we have we have to validate uh, these uh, pouches and these uh, and these boxes. Everything has to be validated. Also, we deliver it with uh, mm-hmm. the um, the screws because we plan the screws for each place. Uh, for example, in pyramidal offices. Uh, we use for zygoma, for example, we drill it because it's two corticals. Uh, we choose different places, so we we send the screws with the with the device, and they are inside already the box with a plan where they have to put what. Okay, that's that's amazing. I mean, I don't think we have any service in India at the moment. Uh, I mean, presently within India, that is sending sterile pouches. And I don't think we have anything like that. We do have sending people sending implants, but those implants are they not to lift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So that, that's amazing. Yeah. So you have the entire setup with the boxes and all of that already. Yes. So you have to make boxes for different uh, implants every time. So how do you sort of uh, get those validated? Because for every implant is going to be different. So is the material validated? No, the materials everything validated. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, but so what are they made up of? The boxes. They are made of PVC. Uh, the exterior blister and the interior blister. It's made of um, acrylic. It's uh, okay. acrylic with some PTFE. Okay, so this material is validated, or you have to validate each box every time. No, no, no. It's validated. It's a one box. Only the system of uh, fixing it's different. It's going up. It's suspended, not to touch anything when it's sterilized. So, and you have a way to pick it up without touching the parts that going to face bone. Okay. Okay. That's that's yeah. Like that's a dental implant. It's yeah. like a dental implant. Exactly yeah. like a dental implant. Yeah. That's amazing. So now I would like to ask you one question. What is the kind of message that you give to the surgeons who are like coming up right now and they want to step into the world of 3D printing? Because in our part of country, not all the surgeons are practicing 3D printing. I don't know how it is in Portugal. You could give an insight on that. But here we don't have many surgeons into 3D printing. We do have a couple of them. And but in order to get more people into that, what would what would be your message? People, they have to, to talk about, they have to make some uh, formation about it. They have to understand what is the, the purpose and they have to create a community. And uh, with this community, they have to share. 
mainly because sharing is the most important thing. Why? Because every every implant we do, they are different. You cannot validate an implant um, just for, and just for the the the. The shape that he has, because the shape will always will always change, and yeah, and there, there's another thing. It's always the certain shape can work very well for a certain surgeon, but for other surgeons will not work so well. So uh, communities are very important to to share all the knowledge that we have and to improve all. Uh, we always try to do that in our company. We have uh, we invite uh, lots of people to speak about their experience, uh, also about their problems with uh, with this this kind of technology, uh, and it has problems like everyone else know, but. Uh, the main problem sometimes is the poor quality of CT scans. Uh, with with CBCTs, everything is ruined now. People are pushing always to do these devices with CBCTs, and really, CT scans are much better. And for such important thing, they should use very good CT scans because that's the main thing for this. So sharing, I say. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to ask you some some little uh, stuff regarding research. So, uh, I mean, considering the number of cases that you've been doing in different parts of the world, is there some kind of a data or maybe uh, you must be going under some research work, like some clinical trials. So are they going on? Are you going through that part or that part is not yet taken up? Because as such, we don't have enough research on implants. We do have research on models. We do have research on, uh, uh, you know, uh, the prototypes and all, but we don't have research on implants, specifically titanium implants. And you're doing that. Yes. Uh, now, uh, we have some um, papers that are referring from clinical cases, but not for number. So the first one, we are waiting for the same design with two years follow up and it's going to it's going it's an investigation made by the University of Barcelona Spain uh, that it's making it's going to be around 52 I think implants uh, that's the, the thing they ever communicate the first time. I'm not making part of it I want I do not want to have uh, um, a problem with the for me being the manufacturer. So I want the whole uh, part of uh, studies to be made only for uh, for surgeons and, uh, and scientists. Uh, and um, we are hoping to, not this year, but uh, starting in the, uh, the, the, ne the next year, it's going to be the first big um, paper uh, that's going to be published with mm, uh, new technologies. Wow, that's amazing. Because I think unless you don't have the right research and the patient follow-up, it is difficult to for the doctors to actually accept it very widely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the main problem, you know, the uh, custom-made medical devices, they always uh, uh, are done with um, um, medical requests, meaning uh, the medical, the, the surgeon can change everything. So it's really difficult to have always the same design. So we have to 
That is the reason uh, that research becomes a little difficult because you can't compare apples to oranges. So it's That's like right. every case is diff- different. <laughs> yes, yes. But anyhow, we keep we pick up uh, three doctors. They have the same way to do it always. They they talk a lot. We don't know them very well. So we are trying to do always the same design with difference with an anatomical difference from patient to patient but it's always the same design yeah. and uh, okay. the same uh, protocol but it's difficult of course the, and then you it cannot is. use this for what people uh, other people does because if they change it we can we don't know, know what's going to happen Yes, and every patient has a different way to react to the uh, to the titanium. I mean, everybody is different, so that's of another uh, area of difference, yes, uh, which true. we cannot sort of do much. Well, that's nice. So, as we are wrapping up on this interview, I would like to ask you a final message. Is there anything that you feel I did not ask you, and it would be of benefit to the listeners? I like that um, sessions could look at more at these. You know, there is so many people that doesn't know yet about this technology. Uh, every week I heard something. I, I never heard about this. I always thought about this. It's really not bright enough, the world. And uh, really the main thing that we need is to get ways to spread the word. Because uh, it's really good for it's really good for patients. That's for sure. Yes. Yeah. And that is the reason I thought of starting this podcast and getting everyone to the same platform. So people really realize there is so much more to go ahead with. Yes. But you do need to have a robust uh, knowledge. Yeah. Thank you so much. Your words must have solved questions for lots and lots of people. And maybe you kind of inspire a lot of people to sort of go ahead with maybe entrepreneurship, (laughs) though definitely business is a spiritual game. Thank you so much. We are blessed to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you got a perspective of entrepreneurship and surgery with this insightful conversation with Dr. Rui Quil from Portugal. And again, I've created notes for you to summarize on the learning points. Visit our website www.surgeonsin3dprinting.com to know more. Subscribe the podcast to hear more interesting conversation with experts across the globe. We would love to connect with you for any unanswered questions. If you are still fired up for more, visit the resources section of our website and find amazing gifts for you. Hope to connect with you in the next episode. Till then, stay safe and live with passion. Life is a work in progress. What matters at the end is the journey.